0: We write devotionals here at the church uh, for you to have daily during the weekdays. Uh, Our elders and pastors and members of our church do that. And so uh, you can go online to our website and sign up for that and look at those daily. And so if you just need uh, something in the morning or maybe something lunchtime or at night, we just have a brief word there just to encourage you. Okay, We just got done writing on the I Am statements uh, Monday we'll start Proverbs, and so we'll have a few verses each day that is just written about. It's there to encourage you, so love to, to provide that for you if you uh, would like that, and just encourage you to do that on our website. Um, this morning, I, I pray that you leave here thankful, thankful for the mercy of God, and that your life would be a life that, that honors God, with a thankful heart each day. Um, today, we live in a broken world. Our, our world is full of brokenness. In fact, we could sit here, in fact, we were joking about this at 9 a.m., you know, we could sit here until dinner, and somebody said, no, we could sit here for the rest of the week and talk about the brokenness in our world. I mean, there's just brokenness everywhere we turn. We see it in our own lives. We see it in our family. We see it with friends. We, we see it um, just everywhere we turn, at our place of work, and, and you name it. Uh, through media and in light of that brokenness we are all in need of the same thing we are all in need of the mercy of God we all need that this morning and this morning we find 10 lepers who experienced the mercy of God firsthand and so this morning as they experienced that God's mercy is our only hope it was their only hope with the condition they were in Uh, This morning, I I want us to see, I want us to recognize that God's gift of his mercy is all we need. We don't deserve it, but it's all we need. And then I want us to think through, how do we respond to that daily? How do we respond daily to the mercy of God? And so this text, a beautiful text. Luke is the only one that writes about this, this story. It's a beautiful story. Uh, about God's mercy and so let's look at it this morning as Jesus's journey continues um, verse 11 will give us kind of a progress report of his goings and comings and so look at verse 11 while on the way to Jerusalem Jesus was passing between Samaria and Galilee and so Jesus right it tells us that he's on his way to Jerusalem in Luke 9:51, Jesus says, I am determined, right? He is determined to get Jerusalem. Why is he so determined to get Jerusalem? Because in Jerusalem, right, is where God is going to do his work, his miraculous work, his work of salvation. He, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is going to do the work of atonement is going to do the work of salvation for for all peoples that will turn to his son. And so why is Jesus looking forward to Jerusalem? Why is he so determined on that? Because it was God's will. It was God's will for him to go there. And when he goes there, when he gets there, what's gonna happen when he arrives in Jerusalem and he's so determined to get there is uh, Judas, right, is gonna betray him. He's gonna get arrested. He's gonna go on trial. Not only that, he's going to hang on a cross and he's going to die. On the third day, he's going to raise again. Eventually, he will appear in a resurrected form in his glorified body for 40 days here on earth, Paul tells us, and then he will ascend to heaven. And so Jesus is set On getting to Jerusalem. And Luke wants to continually remind us of that. That's his goal. That's where this is going, right? He came, right? Jesus came to die. He came to die. And this morning, right? Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord that he came to die. He came to lay his life down. And so that's what he's fixed on. Now, as he's Headed toward there, his eyes are set on Jerusalem. We find him somewhere. He's in between Samaria uh, excuse me, Samaria and Galilee. And as he's there in, in this village, Luke wants us to know that something's going to happen there. We'll pick that up in a second. As we read this, though, just kind of do some work here in the text. You remember last week, he's talking to the disciples. He gave them I- instructions. He told them, hey, listen, you're going to face temptation. Um, sometimes you're going to sin, and so what do you do? You repent. Sometimes people are going to sin against you, so what do you do? You rebuke them, admonish them, confront them, and then what do you do when they repent? You forgive them. So he gave them instructions, and, and then, the, you know, he was like, hey, listen, don't, don't Expect like a participation medal, all right, when you do these things. He says, you are just simply to obey and to expect nothing in return, okay? God is not indebted to us. He owes you and I nothing, okay? All right? The only thing you and I deserve, welcome to the ridge, is hell, okay? That's it. That's it. But by His grace, right? By His grace and his mercy, okay, we can be set free from that, and we can know eternal life instead, and that's what we desperately want for youth. We're just going to be honest with you this morning, but welcome, okay. So last week, what did we learn? We learned faith, obedience, okay, um, and what's the greatest thing that God has given us. It's, it's his mercy. It's his grace, and we shouldn't be those that are sitting there going, God, what else are you gonna give me? And you know, kind of like the prosperity gospel movement and other things, what, God, what are you gonna give me? Hey, Jesus' is like, mercy, okay? You obey me simply because I'm your master and you're my servant. That's what servants do. That subject matter continues, okay? Luke didn't always initially write in chronological order or things like that. I think he 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 wrote more in subject matter. And here he's continuing that, and he wants us as servants and those who are obedient to not be those looking to God saying, God, what are you gonna give me when I do these things for you? No. Instead, out of a thankful heart, out of a desire to glorify God, we do these things, right? Because he's asked us to. Jesus says in John 14, if you love me, you will obey my commands, okay? Out of a heart of love for God, We obey his command. So that subject theme is is still flowing here, all right, with this story. And look what happens. So he's in between Samaria, he's in between Galilee, and it says in verse 12, as he entered a village, 10 leprous men stood at a distance and met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. These 10 leprous men, okay, Are at a distance from Jesus. Why do they stand at a distance from Jesus? Because they're leprosy, right? Um, Leprosy is still on the earth today. Uh, Probably uh, most of us have not necessarily seen it firsthand, but we kind of have an idea. It's horrible. It's devastating, it's debilitating, it's a painful skin disease. In fact, I think we have a picture this morning. I always kind of like you to see an image, because this is real. This is 2012, by the way, and so it's still real. When I was in India, we visited some leopard camps. I didn't get to see any uh, men or women or children that, that had it then, but they were there, um, and And so it's still present. There's villages even in India where they're they're leper colonies is what they they call them. So this is still uh, a disease that's present today. Uh, Those who had it had great discomfort. They had great pain. Uh, They wouldn't even attempt to take baths due to their open wounds and their sores. Over time, nerve damage would happen if if there wasn't treatment, especially today. There's treatment. There's there's ways to help... um, people with it today to, to help relieve the suffering. Um, if, if this would uh, continue, uh, limbs would be lost. This gentleman right here obviously has lost his fingers. Um, if, you would hit or bu- or if you hit or bump something, limbs would fall off. So, that, so we're talking about a disease here that is devastating. And so I want you to see this this morning and, and to see the seriousness of these men's conditions. And so can you imagine living with such suffering for so many years. I mean that would be rough. Uh, unbelievable to think about. So those with leprosy would live outside this city. Because it was believed to be contagious via airborne droplets through sneezing or coughing. They couldn't work. They couldn't go to the store. They were always alone. Every now and, uh, every now and then a family member would maybe drop by and drop some stuff off for them. But they wouldn't see their family member. I mean could you imagine? right? Dad's in the house. If you could not be with your wife or your kids because you had, and you never see them, right? Or vice versa, moms, or vice versa if you had kids, and you could never see them because of this. And that was a reality for these that had leprosy in Jesus' day. It became their identity. It became their identity. It would consume their life. And so people walking by would yell sometimes, unclean, right? Or they would even maybe throw rocks at these who had leprosy. So really, leprosy back then was a living death. It was. It was a sad situation. Have you ever been in a situation like that, maybe? Where maybe you felt left out? You you felt like, man, I don't have value. Maybe you have those days where you going into that and you question god what's my worth. Sometimes we can slip into those days. Sometimes maybe for some they're they're more often, right? These guys felt that every day, every day. And sometimes we feel like that for certain reasons. This morning, I, I pray if you feel that way, if you struggle with that, that you see today that Jesus cares for you right where you're at. And those days you go there, those days that you struggle with that, maybe feeling that, that, that you know that Jesus is right there with you. And you're going to learn something really cool today that, that these guys learned too that I pray that you would be able to, to just receive as well and you'd be encouraged with when it came to leprosy, let me give you a few texts to kind of give you some background. Where where did this come from uh, as far as the Bible and its treatment of it? Look at Numbers. uh, You don't have to turn there. Um, That'd take us all day. Uh, Numbers 5. Just kidding. Uh, Numbers 5, 2 through 3. It says this, that the Lord told Moses, command the sons of Israel that they send away from the camp every leper and everyone having a discharge, and everyone who is unclean because of dead uh, a dead person, you shall send away both male and female, you shall send them outside the camp so that they will not defile their camp where I dwell in their midst. And so there's some guy that passed down to Moses, and Moses passed this down to the Israelites, and this is how they were to care and to treat the lepers and also for the rest of the community. And then in Leviticus 13:45 through 46, as for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn. The hair of his head shall be uncovered. He shall cover his mustache and cry unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp, okay? Now, some thought that all lepers were cursed of God. That wasn't the case. But many of the Jews in Jesus' day believed that, that leprosy was a curse, that you had it because of something you did, right? Right? Because, and so they would look at you as unclean spiritually as well. And so religious people would say that back then. But that wasn't the case with all. Now there were some who, yes, it was true. There's a guy in the Old Testament, his name is Uzzah. right? He was stricken with leprosy as a curse from God, okay? What's interesting about these 10 guys, though, if you think about it, their affliction, their common affliction brought these 10 guys Together in this moment. And in this moment, they're standing there. And from a distance, they raise their voice. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They recognize something special and significant about Jesus. In this moment, the ten of them have some degree and measure of faith to call out to him together. They believe there's something that he can do for them to help them. Have mercy on us. They want Jesus to show them kindness toward what? Toward healing them. That's the the implied um, request here, have mercy on us. They want to be healed from leprosy. So here's the deal. Jesus, in this moment, okay, they're right about something these guys are. Jesus, his mercy is the only thing that can help them. That's it. That's it. Jesus, in fact, his mercy is the only hope for all of mankind. And as believers this, this morning we've experienced the mercy of God in God not giving us what we deserve as sinners which is we mentioned this earlier we deserve judgment we deserve punishment but instead he has shown us undeserving kindness he has showed us love and favor granting to those who have believed eternal life and so mercy they cry for mercy and that's what we get from Jesus Jesus gives mercy and We should praise God for that this morning. We should be thankful for that this morning. It's our only hope, and it was the only hope that these ten lepers have. And so they call out for mercy. Now look what Jesus does in verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now this is a little interesting. Rather than walking up to them and putting a hand on them or with a word to them, uh, he, he doesn't heal them here. He doesn't heal them that way. In other cases, we see that. He'll he'll put a hand and and he'll heal somebody. Or in one case, one lady will put her hand on Jesus and she is healed, which is amazing. Uh, Or he'll, by a word, a spoken word, he will bring healing. But in this case, he doesn't. And there's purpose to what he does here. But Jesus' treatment of these is amazing as we read the whole text. And his treatment of the marginalized, the poor, the sick, the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the lowly of the society and the community, Jesus cared for them. That's who he came to. Luke four eighteen, he came for the sick. He came for the brokenhearted. That's who he came to. Let me ask you a question this morning. I want us to really think about this for a second. When we see how Jesus cared for the poor, the sick, the lonely, the broken, it bids me to think about this. How do I treat people outside the norms of society? How do I treat maybe those that are different than me? Maybe those that have less than me. How do I treat them? Do I give them the time of day? Do I simply just walk by? Do we simply ignore? And Jesus took time. And one of the most beautiful pictures in Scripture is when the disciples are trying to get the children away and Jesus says, no, let them come up. Let them come sit on my lap, hang out with me. I think it's one of the most beautiful pictures of Scripture. I think this is a beautiful picture. Jesus doesn't run away from these guys like the rest of society did. He takes time. He takes time. How do we treat people when they come in here on Sunday morning where maybe they look less or we don't know them? Do we give them word of greeting? Do we, do we give them the time of day? How do we care for others around us no matter what they have or don't have? And that's a big issue with the gospel, right? James talked about that, James 2. How we treat that is a big sign of where we are with God. If we don't care for those who don't have, if we snub our nose or don't give a time of day for those who are without and don't care for the needs of those without. Jesus, or through his half-brother James, asks the question, where is your faith? Where's your faith? You see, faith works. Faith works. And how does it work? It, it, it works through the caring and the loving of others, just like Jesus did. And that's what Jesus does here. Now, what he says to them is he says, go, right? Now, this is what we would call, and just to kind of give you some some thoughts here, it's it's an imperative adverb, meaning you must go and do this. This wasn't just, hey, when you get some time, go and run to the priest. No, this is, you must go and do this, right? This is an imperative one. And so, what must they go and do? They've got to go to the priest. Well, what in the world does that mean, right? What I love about this is Jesus, in this moment, is conforming to the norm of, of uh, the Jews, what, what, what was the Jewish norm. Because in Leviticus 14, it, he told Moses, hey, listen, this is how you treat those with leprosy. If they're cleansed, all right, they've got to go to the priest. The priest's got to examine them and look over them. And then once they are cleaned, and the, prince, the, priest, prince, the priest recognizes that and realizes that they allow them to go back to the community, which was a day of celebration, which was a great day. So look at the text again. With that in mind, he says, go show, show yourselves to the priest. What does this imply? They're going to get healed, right? They're going to experience cleansing, right? I believe that's implied here. And as they were going, that's what happens. As they were going, they were cleansed. So just picture this with me if you could, okay? Um, Let's, I'm not always a good Jesus. Let's just say Gene's back there. Gene's a good Jesus, all right? (laughs) That's just for you this week, bud. All right, so Jesus is over there by the exit sign. I'm over here. I'm one of the 10 lepers, all right? And we've called out to Jesus, Master Jesus, have mercy on us. And so this is kind of what we're doing. All right, we're talking like this. And Jesus, in this case, Gene, just kidding. All right, Jesus says back, all right, go. Go and show yourselves to the priest. So those 10 turn around, they start going. And all of a sudden, what happens? They're cleansed. And so picture this with me. Where leprosy has impacted their face, where their fingers are gone, or maybe a limb, another limb gone, all of a sudden, everything is cleansed and healed. So the face looks different, maybe an eye that had been impacted is now made new, and all of a sudden, fingers that were gone, they're back. So are you picturing this with me? I mean, how cool is that? I mean, Hollywood ain't got anything on that, right? I mean, you're walking away, and all of a sudden, toes start coming back. Everything impacted by leprosy is gone. And now, they're cleansed. Wow. And th- so this type of stuff ought to get you like, oh my goodness, really? I mean, that's cool. I mean, that exc- I, I was reading this this morning. I thought, this is exciting, dude. This is, this is stuff that, if you read it, it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta keep reading this thing. This has got this exciting stuff in it? It does. These guys are healed. As they're walking away, they are cleansed. They experience the mercy of God. Jesus does the impossible, and he heals them. What do we see here? We see a couple things, just observations. Jesus demonstrates what? His divinity. He shows that he is God. Another thing that we see right here is the importance of trusting and obeying Jesus. What do these guys do? They go. I mean, if if I'm in that situation, I'm not wasting any time. It's first-time obedience, okay, right? And so they go, they go. That's what the Christian life is to look like, right? If you love Jesus, you trust and obey him, and that's what we're to do. It's first time obedience. He says go, we go. He says jump, we say hi, right? We go. we go, we go, we go. And they go, and they're cleansed. Now look at this, verse 15, 16. Now one of them, just one, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, to Jesus, and he was a Samaritan. Something interesting here. Luke, Luke I think more than anyone, I think, um, I didn't look at this this week, but I think just this morning as I'm thinking through this, I think he talks more about Samaritans than anybody. Um, I think. Someone might want to come back and find out about that. And if you find out about it, um, let me know right? But I think he talks about the Samaritans more than maybe any gospel writer. Um, and he, he speaks to them here. He brings up that this guy's a Samaritan. Um, they were those who were an offspring of a Jewish parent and a Gentile parent, right? So they were uh, what we consider biracial. And, and what happened is um, the Samaritans and the Jews, there was great uh, racial prejudice between the two groups that was present. And so, here you have a Samaritan, but the question is, what about the other nine, okay? Who are they? Well, look at verse 18. If you want to jump ahead, Jesus is going to ask a set of questions, three of them, and he says, was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? What does that imply? It means the other nine are Jews, so you have uh, one Samaritan and uh, nine Jews, okay? There's not a joke coming, all right, but that would be... A that would be a good place to insert one. Uh, but they are Jews. And But this one, all right, comes back to Jesus. He glorifies God and he thanks Jesus. Now let me ask you this. Look at this text. Look at it closely. Okay, look at verse 14 again. Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Can I just, can I just tell you about the Samaritans? I mean, there was great hate between the Jews and the Samaritans. They did not want to have anything to do with each other. Samaritans in John 4, it tells us, this, this uh, woman at the well that Jesus was talking to was Samaria, and, and she said, hey, listen, the Jews worship in Jerusalem, right? But us Samaritans, we worship over here in the mountains, okay? So Samaritans and Jews don't, don't worship together. That's not even a thought. But you think about this. This Samaritan is willing to go to the temple and show himself to the priests. I mean, what's he gonna, what, what's gonna happen when he gets there? You think that priest is going to let him in? Have anything to do with him? This Samaritan shows great faith. Think about that for a moment. He is willing to go, even to a place where he will be unwelcome. He's willing to go. Let me ask you a question. How often does Jesus ask us to trust him and have obedience to things that we are uncomfortable with? A lot. A lot. Jesus, it's not about our comfort. He's about our obedience. It's a big deal for this guy to turn and go to the priest. Right? Parables left open. We don't see that this guy ever makes it to the priest. Right? Because what does he do in verse 15? It says he turned back. Okay? Turned back. Um, A beautiful picture of his faith. The second thing we see here is we see that God's grace is extended beyond Judaism. It's extended beyond Jews. And so that was a big deal, especially in this this day. And so the Samaritan experiencing the mercy of God is a great picture of how God shows mercy to all peoples, of all different walks and all different lives. The mercy of God. So what do we see from the Samaritan who's healed? He immediately comes back and praises God. He received mercy from Jesus and he praises God. He recognizes that Jesus is God's agent for this work of healing and he doesn't care. He doesn't care who hears him because Luke says here he does it with a loud voice. I don't know how many people are around. I don't know if there's a lot of people hanging out but it was a loud voice and he falls at Jesus' feet on his face and he gives thanks to Jesus. We see from the Samaritan's faith obedience, we see a heart of worship. We see thankfulness to God. And so what do we see right here? This is exactly what God's, God wants from us who have been delivered from spiritual leprosy, right? We all have a disease. It's called sin, right? We're born into it. We're, we inherited it. We say, thank you, Adam. Thank you for passing your sin on to me. I appreciate that, Right? We inherited it, Romans five, we have inherited sin. We're born into depravity. We all need delivered from it. And so as those who have been delivered from the mercy of God, what are we to do in response to God's mercy? We're to live a life of worship. We're to live a life that glorifies God. It's what you were created for. It's what you were created for in Christ Jesus is to live a life of glory to God and to live a life of thankfulness. To live a life of thankfulness. Romans 12:1 says, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. The Samaritan shows this in this text. God wants us to live that way. And then look at verse 17 through 19. Jesus answered to the Samaritan, who is now healed, by the way, pretty cool, right? Cool. See, once he's at a distance, right? He's at a distance. But now, pretty cool, man. This guy who's cleansed, he's been delivered, is at Jesus' feet. How cool is that? I don't know, man. I keep reading. Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? So, were there not ten cleansed? Yeah, there were right? There were, there were 10 that were, were healed from leprosy. It reminds me, Jesus says this in the Sermon of the Mount. I believe it's in Matthew 5, that God causes his son, right, to raise, to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. He causes his rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous, right? And so I think we see that in this text. These, these 10, right, they all received healing Okay, second question, but the nine, where are they? Where are these other guys? Where are these guys who were cleansed, these Jewish guys? Well, they're heading to the priest, right? Because why? Because they're rule followers. They're rule followers. Getting to the priest, okay? They have a degree of faith. All right, we'll talk about their faith in a second. Then he asked the question, was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? The Samaritan's the only one that's come back to give glory to God. What's amazing about this text, I don't know too many other places. Maybe the I am statements in John. I don't know too many places where, where Jesus emphatically speaks to the fact that he's God. Right? This is one of them. He shows it over and over and over again. But in this text, what he says right here, not only does he show it, he says it, okay? He's God. He's God in the flesh. Jesus says to the man, he says, stand up, go, your faith has made you well. Now, there's... There's two things I want you to see here. The nine other lepers who were cleansed, they were Jews. And they showed where their hearts were, I believe, when they did not go back and give glory to God and thank Jesus. They simply went to the priests. Those whom Jesus delivers, they're to express gratitude for what he has done, like the Samaritan did. The Jews had more knowledge about the Messiah, his coming, than a Samaritan did. And they should have recognized They should have recognized who Jesus was, should have thanked him, but they did not because their hearts were where? They were far from him. They did not believe him to be God, even though he showed them by healing them that he emphatically was. So what did the nine do? They missed it. It's kind of like this. I was trying to think what what a good expression of this would be. It's kind of like... like when I get on an airplane, right? I like to fly, but I, but I hate the idea of crashing, right? So <laughs> I mean, just real, just being real with you, it's one of the things you'll get. So man i'm I'm praying, and I think I think my my daughter, when we went to Spokane, I don't know if she even ever realized this last year, but man I'm on the way up, man, I'm just praying. I'm, I am praying, right? And every now and then, I'm dropping popcorn prayers in the middle of the flight, and I'm just, I just pray. I just pray, because I want to get on the ground, right? When I get on the ground, though, man, I am, phew, let's get my baggage. Let's get Uber or Lyft or whatever, and, and let's get to the hotel, and, and let's, let's, all right, let's go. Let's go. And I'll, I'll say, like, a, hey, thank you, God, for getting me on the ground. It's airplane faith. That's what I call it, airplane faith, Right? Right? That's, that's, these guys, I mean, they love the benefits of Jesus' ministry, right? They love the gifts, but they don't love the giver, right? They love the gifts and the benefits, but they don't love the giver. There's a big difference between enjoying the giver through his gifts and enjoying gifts instead of the giver. A big difference between enjoying the giver through his gifts and enjoying gifts instead of the giver. See, the gift is the giver, and they missed it. Jesus is a giver of gifts, yes, but he is the ultimate gift. Paul says, thanks be to God for, this indescri- for God's indescribable gift, 2 Corinthians 9.15. Who's that indescribable gift that Paul's talking about that God has given us? It's Jesus. He's the indescribable gift. And this Samaritan in this moment praises the giver, he thanks the giver. Jesus says to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Right? He doesn't say this to either or nine. Okay? They don't have the type of faith this guy has. Right? They've benefited, benefited from Jesus. Yeah, they did, all right? All of humanity is benefiting from the mercy of Jesus today. Did you know that? If they woke up this morning, they all benefit from the mercy of Jesus, okay? The Samaritan benefits from the mercy of Jesus differently. God chooses to show mercy on whom he chooses, chooses to show mercy for the gift of salvation. and In this case, This phrase right here, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. This is more than physical healing. This is a spiritual healing. The phrase right there, made you well, means that he is saved. He is saved. That's what it means. It means he's been delivered beyond his cleansing from leprosy. And we see it in his response because he loves the giver and not just the gifts. And Jesus sees this. What's amazing about this, too, this this phrase right here, your faith has made you well. Four times in Luke, okay? Any student in the house this morning, if you come and show me the other places, all right? Maybe a little gift for you, all right? Benefits, gifts, right? You got to love the giver, all right? Not me, Jesus, okay, because he gives gifts like Starbucks gift cards and things like that, just to drop. All right, so... If you know the other places, let me know, all right? Don't start searching now, all right, because you'll miss, miss something you need to hear. But here's the deal, where he says, your faith, okay, has made you well. Why do you think he says this? This is a guy who's had no value. His identity is dead. He didn't like himself, he didn't want to look at himself, people hate him. He's an outcast. He's not included. Boom. Just like that, he comes to the mercy of God and he finds someone who values him and loves him just the way he is. And he cares for his greatest need and he heals him. Here's what Jesus tells this guy You have value, and you have a new identity. The faith. By the way, guys, this faith that this leper has experienced, this this faith he has is not of his own. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved. Through what? Through faith. And it is not of yourselves, right? But it is a gift of God. This faith that this leper had was a gift of God. And Jesus says, that's what gives you value. That's what gives you identity. So on those days where you're low, on those days where you're questioning, man, what's my identity? What's my value? Remember this. And if you believe in Jesus this morning, let Jesus say to you, your faith has made you well. Meaning, man, you have value. And it's the faith you have in Jesus Christ. He's giving you a new identity. This guy in this moment has a new identity. He's not gonna only be ushered into the community there between Samaria and Galilee and experience life with family and friends. I mean, he's going to have a ball. He's gonna have a blast getting back in the community. But here's the greater thing. He one day is going to see Jesus again and he is going to be with God and the saints forever. And that's a community like no other, and he will enjoy it for eternity because his faith has made him not only physically well, but spiritually well. So this morning, have you been delivered? Have you experienced what this guy has experienced spiritually? We all have spiritual leprosy. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Okay. But the free gift of God is eternal life. Have we experienced deliverance to eternal life? The Bible says this is what God has done to deliver us. First Peter three eighteen. Christ also died for sins once and for all, the just for the unjust. Jesus is the just, we're the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. We're at a distance like the le- leper was. We're far off, but we cry out for mercy. And guess what? That distance that distance, because that's what sin does. It creates a separation. Jesus and his grace heals us spiritually. And before you know it, what happens? What? We're at his feet, right? He brings us to God. That's what the cross did. It saved us so that we could have a relationship with God forever. Romans eight thirty two says, he who did not spare his own son, the father, he didn't spare Jesus, but he delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Jesus is the giver of gifts. He gives us all things. He gives us eternal life. It's all about his mercy. But here's what I want you to hear this morning, okay? It's about loving the giver. It's about trusting the giver. It's about obeying the giver, okay? So have you trusted in Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus the master? Have you trusted in Jesus the giver? He is our deliverer. If you have, what are we to do? We're to to live a life of worship. We're to live a life with thankful hearts in response to him, just as the Samaritan did. If you don't, if you've never trusted in Jesus this morning, hey, you were with people who have been there before. We all have the need of being delivered from our sin. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart, in fact, let me start again. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. You will be made well spiritually. So this morning, confess Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and that Jesus' work on the cross was sufficient for you. Believe that for salvation. The Bible says you will be saved. Let's pray.